What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of this episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett. Joining us now from The Ringer, The Ringer NFL Show, Extra Point Taken, the Philly Special. It is Ben Solak. Ben, thanks so much for taking some time, man. We really appreciate it. Of course. NFL season started, baby. I got nothing but time. Here we go. (laughs) No doubt about that. So before we get into this game, I heard you on Mina Kimes pod recently, and you guys were doing this breakout players thing. And one of the guys you had on there, or I should say underrated players, and one of the guys you had is Ramondre Stevenson. And you had this amazing stat about Ramondre. And correct me if I'm wrong in this. It's basically that last year he had 1,040 rushing yards, 69 catches. And since 2000, only 13 backs had 200 carries, 60 receptions, and still average five yards per carry. I believe that was the stat you had, which yeah. I thought he had an amazing season. When I heard that, I'm like, only 13 guys have done that. It's still amazing. And it's amazing to me, too, because if you look at the offensive line that Ramondre was dealing with last year in the scheme, it was even more difficult. Like if you look at his yards after contact per rush last year, he was second in the NFL among players that had at least 175 carries. So I'm wondering from your perspective with Ramondre, obviously they get the tandem now, they bring in Zeke, but it's going to be mainly Ramondre and Zeke's obviously somebody they can back him up. But how high can he get in terms of the running back rankings in the NFL? Obviously McCaffrey is sort of in his own stratosphere because of what he does as a receiver but then you have the Chubbs, the Henrys, the Jacobs, the Barclays of the world. Like, how good do you think Ramondre can be for this Patriots team? Can he get into, can he creep into the top five conversation? Is it six to 10? Where do you think he'll end up ranking at the end of the season? I'm confident we're going to think of Ramondre as a top 10 back by the end of the year. Uh, Top five is tricky, right? You can't can't move McCaffrey and Chubb out of that. I don't even think you can move Jonathan Taylor out of that. If he doesn't play, you know what I'm saying? Last we we know we know how good he is, even if he's dealing with contract stuff and he's dealing with health stuff. That's three of the five spots taken. 
And then you brought up names, right? Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones. Those are be up there. Saquon, Bar- Barkley, uh, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara. There's a lot of guys. Uh, so getting in the top five is tough. I'm confident we'll think of him as a top 10 back. I think he's uh, he's one of the most versatile, uh, multifaceted backs that we have in the league. And critically, among those backs, among a lot of those guys who are really good pass catchers, Ramondre is like a unique body type, right? He's, he, he, uh, most of those guys are... Uh, they're still like, you know, uh, bigger dudes. They're dense dudes. They can take on contact, but a lot of them are predicated on quickness. And Ramondre, not much about the quickness, much as about the size and about the power. Uh, he's such a delightful back to watch, such a unique player. Uh, and so, yeah, the uh, the efficiency at his rushing volume last year, while also being the team's second leading receiver, is just like, you just don't see that all the time. And I don't think the Patriots want him to be the second leading receiver. It's usually not a good sign if your back is your second leading receiver. Uh, I think they're going to try to get the wide receivers uh, involved a little bit more. But Ramondre should still be like a 50-catch guy. Uh, and that value that he can be on all three downs and he can legitimately take a carry, legitimately catch a ball and create is 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 so delightful. Now, if he loses out on touchdowns, that's going to kind of suck. It's going to it's gonna keep him out of the public yeah. eye a little bit. I, uh, I I took Ramondre 10-plus touchdowns on Fandle this, this summer, so I didn't love the Zeke signings. I thought we were going to get the high-volume Ramondre. Um, but if, if it's just touchdowns, it's just touchdowns. That's just that's situational stuff. It doesn't take away from his talent and his skill level. I think he's a top 10 guy. Yeah, and I do like the fact that from a Patriots perspective, you bring in a guy like Zeke because at the end of last season, it did feel like Ramondre wore down a bit because he was basically <laughs> the only positive offensive player for the team. And I think Fandle had his rushing yards at 875, which to me, that feels like he's definitely going over that unless there's knock on wood some sort yeah. of injury. I have that as well in the uh, in the uh, in the portfolio. All right. It's been a big Ramondre summer for me. <laughs> I like it. All right. So going back to another player you had underrated is Kendrick Bourne. OK, so this is like the ultimate Kendrick Bourne podcast. Before last season, mm-hmm. we were predicting a breakout year for Kendrick Bourne after what he showed in 2021. And then he gets in Matt Patricia's doghouse, which we made the point then. Matt Patricia shouldn't be able to have a doghouse. This guy had really good chemistry with mac jones the previous season and you just like some of the outlying numbers with him from 2021 were ridiculous he had 237 out of his 800 yards on third down so that's what 29.6 percent he averaged 18.2 yards per reception on third down that was ranked 10th with a minimum of 10 receptions the yards per target that season 11.4 which was third the success rate 65.7 percent sixth the yak per reception was seventh the yak over expectation was 2.7 which was Third, I just feel like he, last year, I don't even know how to explain it because of the whole Patricia thing, but I really feel like he could have an even better year in 2023 than the one that he had in 2021, uh, 2021 rather, also considering the fact that he looks bigger, like he put on a bunch of weight in the offseason as well. We always knew that he's an athletic player, but he can go up and get the ball. I'm just really intrigued by what he can do for this team this year. I predicted him the other day. I think he's going to be the leading receiver on the team in terms mm-hmm. of yards. I'm a little bit worried about Juju in terms of the health. He's dealing with the knee situation. And Parker, that's really a feast or famine guy that it's just down the field, contested catches. We know he doesn't get any separation. So I'm really high on Kendrick Bourne. Do you, do you think he could be the leading receiver on this team? I guess it's not like a big achievement based on the guys around him, but I think he really could be. I think he's the best bet to be because he's the most consistent player. You expect him to stay on the field and and to reliably do what you ask him to do, as opposed to Juju, who can reliably do what you ask him to do, but struggles to stay on the field. And opposed to Devontae, who neither reliably does what you ask him to do, nor stays on the field consistently. And and the Patriots are, they are right to 
try and and get Devontae off the ground, right? Try to get like Taekwon Thornton when he's healthy off the ground. They're right to try to develop some of these more specific role players and 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 get max chemistry working with them. And, and if they go that approach, try to get those guys targets over a Kendrick Bourne, that's a warranted approach. Because it's not like Bourne is like Amon Ross St. Brown, where it's like, okay, we can't take like we can't take targets away from the guy. We'd love if we could throw the ball further down the field. We'd love if we could throw it to a bigger receiver, but like the cat's just so good, we gotta throw it to him. Bourne's not at that level. So I right. think they're gonna try to find ways to get the ball to their other receivers because they want to kind of balance this passing attack out, make it have more options to it. But fundamentally, when push comes to shove, right, rubber meets the road, there's one guy that you trust in this receiver room right now, and it's Kendrick Bourne. And I, 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 I'd say he's the most likely to play 16 games, 17 games, uh, and accordingly most likely to lead the league in receiving, though as you, or lead the team in receiving, though as you say, not necessarily the, uh, the, the greatest <laughs> award a receiver has ever won. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, just looking at Mac Jones entering the season because we went from after the 2021 year being like, hey, the Patriots have their their guy for the next decade or so. Yeah, he's never going to be Tom Brady, but can he be a top 15 guy most years? And you felt pretty confident after 2021 based on what Mac did, even though we knew that the ceiling wasn't exactly high. He felt like a solid player. And then 2022 occurs, and it's a bad season for Mac, but also you have to put the caveat on the Matt Patricia situation but one thing that I'm really encouraged by is what we saw in the preseason and what we've seen throughout training camp. And part of it is because of the offensive line has not been great, but we've seen Bill O'Brien using a lot of the RPO game. And if you go back to what Mac did at Alabama, he was really good, right? 73 out of 78, 890 yards, and almost 20% of his dropbacks came via RPOs. This is something that Mac was really good at at the collegiate level. And I know the numbers are not going to be the same at the NFL level that they were at the collegiate level. But this could be a way to get Mac to play faster and to take some of the, to use the cliche, low-hanging fruit in the NFL, where last year they didn't use the RPO game. They barely used any play action. I feel pretty encouraged about Mac Jones. Like, if I think that this team is not going to be good this season, and I actually do think they're going to be relatively good, but it's not going to be because Mac has a bad year. I'm pretty confident that Mac's going to be at least a guy that you look at and say, okay, we're comfortable going into year four with Mac Jones, just based on the upgrade, we saw him with a pretty good offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. And now Bill O'Brien, even if he's not in the conversation with the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, et cetera, he's at least qualified to do the job, unlike Patricia. So I think Mac's going to have a bounce back season. Yeah, I agree. I think that we're going to feel similarly to how we felt after 2021 with Mac Jones, maybe with a little bit taken off the the, the pitch just because his rookie season solid. And you start thinking, all right, like the ceiling is crazy. And then in 2022, like obviously it's a bad situation, but when a quarterback is as affected by a bad situation, you start to acknowledge, okay, this probably isn't like a perennial top 10 guy. This is more of like a 10 to 15, 10 to 17 guy, which is fine. That's cool, yeah. right? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Mac has, has uh, like you say, a good uh, talent profile to work in this offense. The thing that was always so impressive about Mac back at Bama is how well he moved his feet in the pocket, how, how efficient he was, how... It, it, it's teach tape it's good quality stuff right like he's he's a pocket passer but he's not a statue right and he's able to, to manipulate space and, and and manipulate his arm angles and, and get a little bit of creativity flowing in his game which is critical for the rpo stuff right like you cannot ask a quarterback who really has cement uh feet center block feet uh to be successful in an rpo game because of how quickly you have to change the throwing platform and you gotta adjust the arm angle stuff and max delightful at this it's really where he's strong uh so i think you're i, I agree i think you're gonna see a high level of rpos you see a lot of short, quick throws. Take advantage of the fact that Mac can set that that hallway really well, and then maybe when the offensive line uh, uh, gets a little bit healthier, then you can start doing some longer dropback stuff, some deeper dropback stuff. 
They might try to do some heavy uh, personnel play action stuff. Like Mac was really good at that at Bama as well. But a lot of that requires having a speed threat at receiver. And until Tyquan Thornton gets on this team, this is a very slow receiving core. Uh, and so you you, uh, you you struggle to think that that's going to be a part of the early season plan for them, especially against the Eagles. Against this Eagles team, I think it's going to be a lot of quick passes, stay away from the pass rush, pick on the linebackers, try to pick on the safeties, go at it that way. Yeah, and with Thornton, too, it's like they used a high pick on him, right? A second-round draft pick. They haven't gotten much production out of the guy. Back-to-back years now with an injury. And, like, in training camp, Demario Douglas was the fourth receiver over, over Tyquan Thornton. So I'm hoping this isn't one of these prototypical Patriots early-round receivers like the Nikhil Harrys of the world that just never works out with the team because I do think he has a unique skill set. One of the things I mentioned is, like, Bill O'Brien with Will Fuller drawing up deep shots for him. Hopefully they can find something with Tyquan Thornton because they got to get something out of that draft pick. All right, so looking at this Eagles-Patriots games, I know one of the storylines was Shane Steichen obviously out in Philadelphia. Yep. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, how come you guys just didn't elevate Matt Patricia to the offensive coordinator? Like, was that was that ever considered after what he did last year? He's well, on he the staff. Not- yeah, he wasn't on the, the staff yet. They'd already filled the position, oh, okay. unfortunately. Yeah, uh, <laughs> We did have a good clip of him greeting Darius Slay at practice the other day that made the rounds. Like a good four-second long, weird high-five handshake while Slay was stretching. And everybody was like, let's psychoanalyze this. Uh, uh, <laughs> they have Brian Johnson as their OC. They're excited about him. They expected him to rise up to the ranks of OC, either in Philadelphia or elsewhere fairly shortly. Uh, obviously, they get him here and... Johnson had a, a big part in Jalen Hurts. He had a big part in the offense last year. We just don't know what, he's, what he is as a play caller. Been a long time since Brian Johnson's called plays. Hasn't done it in the NFL level. Really only at the college level did it like piecemeal. Like he was part of a play calling platoon, third down stuff, red zone stuff, et cetera. Uh, and so Steichen, like the, the Eagles scheme last year was not incredible. Like they didn't reinvent the wheel. This wasn't like Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, holy smokes. Like look at this X's and O stuff. Steichen was just a really good play caller. He could sequence plays very well. He always knew right when to pitch the changeup, right when to pitch the curveball, just always that one step ahead. So to Brian Johnson, there's there's a chance it's a substantial drop-off. There's a chance that this Eagles offense looks very similar schematically, but doesn't enjoy the same success just because the play calling last year, the sequencing was so, so, so good. Uh, and so it's a big, it's the big question mark. The, the absolute number one thing you're wondering from an Eagles perspective, we talked about a lot of Philly special uh, over the offseason, is what exactly does it look like Steichen to Johnson? How much of a drop-off is there? Yeah, and with the Patricia thing, I had totally forgot about that Darius Slay beef that they had when he was in Detroit. I, t- I totally forgot that that was they a were, thing. And they were like talking about bringing Patricia back when they didn't even have Slay under contract yet. And we were like, <laughs> yo, like slow down. And then they got him and it was fine. <laughs> I do wonder though, I mean, they got to, I'm sure they're getting a lot of intel from Patricia this week. I mean, he literally was the offensive coordinator of this team. Like, and look, it ended. I I honestly at points felt bad for him last year because I felt like Belichick and company put him in a bad situation. Like he should have never had that job. Now the way that he sort of handled himself was not particularly great. We saw that as a head coach as well. But I got to imagine they're getting some intel from him this week, right? Just based on the offense. Like the offense is going to look nothing like it looked like with Patricia. But he's got to get. They got to get something from him in terms of the players. He was around them all. Hopefully he doesn't yeah. say like, hey, the Kendrick Bourne guy sucks because then, they, then the, the scouting report's going to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, and, and he very well might. Um, I I have no idea what was behind the Matt Patricia coaching hire besides the general idea of like bringing a guy who's coached for a long time. He's a senior defensive assistant. He'll help run drills. He'll introduce some new ideas like, oh, and we taught this. We used this progression, eyes, hips, feet, and like. You see like senior defensive assistants, senior offensive assistants, where it's just old heads, guys who've been around for a long time. 
they they go wait there for a year they get associated with like a good team like the eagles and they try to go you know relaunch their career elsewhere so i don't know why they got patricia in the building maybe it was the week one planning to get the patriots film get the uh, scouting report but he's there and we're all just going to ignore that and try not to acknowledge it for as long as we can all right, so A.J. Brown, I've been a fan of his since he was at Ole Miss. Two of my brothers went there, so I've been watching oh, him since. Nice. Yeah, so I've been watching him since he was at Ole Miss. 2019, of course, I wanted the Patriots to draft him. They didn't. They ended up drafting Nikhil Harry. I wanted them to trade for him last offseason. They, of course, didn't do that. The Eagles pick him up. And when I look at A.J. Brown, we ran through all the numbers that are just ridiculous. But is there anything that sort of slows him down? Because this does feel like, in going along with Devontae Smith, you think about the Patriots corners, Jack Jones just got the gun charges dropped. So he's ready to play this year after having a pretty good rookie season before the way that it ended. And he didn't go to rehab sessions, et cetera. Like he had some issues at the end of the year, but he played well when he was on the field. And then there's Christian Gonzalez, who, of course, they spend the 17th overall pick on. And this just feels like if you're looking for a difficult matchup for week one as a starting corner in the NFL, I don't know if he can get much more difficult than like in week two for them is like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. It's just, yeah. I feel like Christian Gonzalez, he's a very talented player. I just feel like this is going to be an awfully difficult matchup. So is there anything that gave like that receiving group, AJ Brown and company trouble last year? Nope. Nice question. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith is a really great pairing. You, you, uh, they tend to use AJ deeper and more vertical. They tend to use Devontae more shallow, more underneath, more breaking routes. They can flip that on ahead if they want to and still be successful. They play both of them in the slot, uh, and they can be as successful running from those alignments. It, it, they can go quick game and they can go, uh, you know, deep play action stuff. Like they have the whole gamut. But when you have a, a receiver doing that, that that that's that is that talented. And that's the thing is you can't really hide Gonzalez because even if you try to do. Like, let's, let's throw Jonathan Jones on him. He's the veteran. Let's leave him out there on, on Brown. Then it's Gonzalez and Devontae Smith, and they'll pick on that matchup, right? Like, they just danged if you do, danged if you don't. Uh, so we'll see, right? Like, Belichick known for playing man coverage. I think they're going to come out and try to play man coverage. Uh, they're going to ask Jalen Hurts to beat him with his arm, and I think Hurts and, and this receiver room can. Uh, and then if you start dealing with a lot of trouble, you can try to play some zone and try to muddy up some windows. Uh, the Eagles will just run the football line until the cows come home, or they'll throw underneath and, and ask Goddard and ask A.J. Brown to become yak guys, and that's where they're they're so good. Like AJ Brown, like leads the league in yards per route run against zone coverage over the last three years. Like it's just not. You can try it. It's very challenging. <laughs> um, the 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 biggest thing here is right. Uh, uh, walk in with, with with the game plan that you've got. Do the best that you can. When you get them in the third and longs, right? You got to be able to pressure Hurts. You got to be able to uh, force him to his left and then punish him when when uh, when, when when you can actually get hands on him. Got to be able to take him down. So it's a thin thin line for a defense slowing down this Eagles team. Yeah, and that's the thing I look at, too, just with the Pats in general, and in this game in particular, but throughout the season they're going to have with some of the great receivers. that like It's a gauntlet they have, but in particular for this week is the Eagles. We know that offensive line is, if not the best, one of the best in the NFL. And with the Patriots, one of their strengths last year, and Belichick ordinarily, like in the past, would build the defense from the secondary in, and usually... They didn't have like unbelievable pass rushers in the past. Like occasionally they'd have a Chandler Jones who'd have a big season. But for the most part, it was by committee. And if you go back to last year, they had the 54 sacks. They were top 10 in pressure rate as well. And they didn't blitz a lot. So those guys were getting home. And if you look at that group, it's they add Keon White to go along with them. We'll see how much he plays. But Uche, he can really only play on passing downs. He can't defend the run, but he's really good as a pass rusher. Judon continues to get better. And I continue to be surprised by this. A lot of people thought when he came here, that, hey, he had a lot of cleanup sacks. Let's see what he does as like the main pass rusher. He was better last year than he was 
the season prior. I could see yeah. Barmore a guy having a big season after dealing with an injury last year, but it does feel like that's the one way the Patriots could sort of stay in this game if their pass rush can heat up Jalen Hurts and company. But I just wonder against that offensive line if they're going to have trouble doing that. I think it could be, I think it's really going to be a strength for this team throughout the year, the pass rush they have. I just wonder if it's going to be a strength in this game in particular. Yeah, the uh, the Juden growth has been so cool. I loved Matt Juden when they when they got him. I had him on an all pro team last year. I thought that he had such a good season and and he and Uje do uh, provide a nice compliment for one another when you get in those long and late downs, right? You have thunder and lightning there a little bit, and it allows you to to rush and rush smartly. Barmore is an interesting one because the Eagles do have a new starter at right guard. Uh, uh, Isaac Sayamalo left in free agency. He's replaced by Cam Jurgens, who's a second year player, played center at Nebraska, but they kicked him in. I uh, kicked him out, excuse me, to guard, and and they feel they feel good about that. And so that's the guy that you highlight, right? The rest of the Eagles' offensive line is Jordan Mailata, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, and Landon Dickerson. The fifth guy is always going to get highlighted, no matter who he is. But in the yeah. case of like, it's my first career start at right guard. Obviously, you're going to circle that guy as well. So if there's a huge matchup that's a, that's a winner for the Patriots when in terms of their defensive trench uh, I would say it is Barmore and it's that interior rush going up against Jurgens. uh this is a good Patriots defensive line it's a really really good Eagles offensive line I think that certainly like over the course of a 17 game season the Patriots defensive line will have the advantage more often than not but this to me is not one of those weeks uh and this Eagles team is so so good at getting off the ball in the running game too. Uh, if they feel like they're losing to your pass rush and you're, and you're pouring all your resources into that, they'll just run up the interior on you. They'll run trap and they'll run power and they'll run zone and they'll run everything under the sun, man. And and, and again, like Steichen to Johnson is a bit of a, a question mark here, but they were so good last season at pretty quickly finding out the, the thing that you couldn't stop in the running game, getting Hurts involved, you know, uh, uh, which back they wanted to use, how many blockers they needed. Like this is a, this was a really smart running team last year. And the hope is that that'll continue again, but there is that question mark. Yeah, well, and they have Jalen Hurts that can run the ball, too, which is very scary because historically, I mean, one of the things that Belichick defenses have struggled against is athletic, mobile quarterbacks. We've seen it throughout the history of the organization, even when the Patriots were really like the team in the NFL. And with Hurts, I remember prior to last season and you're covering the Eagles, so you would know better than me. I remember like the storyline being sort of like this is a prove it year for Jalen Hurts. And then. He goes to the Super Bowl. I mean, all his numbers, the completion percentage up to 5.2 percentage points, the passer rating up 14.3. He was up more than 37 passing yards per game. So, I mean, we're hoping for a year three Mac jump. I don't think it's going to be like the jump that we saw from Jalen Hurts. Right. But what is like I looked at the like I was looking through the Eagles games last year, like the the games they lost at the end of the season. It was Gardner Minshew. Right. So and even in the Super Bowl, he played really well. Like you could argue that he was the best player for the majority of that game. I know he had the turnover that was sort of costly. But what happened with Jalen Hurts? Like, how do you go from being okay? we're not sure if he's our guy to. Oh, yeah, let's give him this massive contract extension. Like what was the big moment of growth for him last year? What changed with his game? Yeah, so firstly, uh, get a guy in A.J. Brown. He gets good quick, I'll tell <laughs> yeah. you. That's uh, anyway, You want to improve a young quarterback, get him a top-five <laughs> receiver. Right? Tua and Tyreek over in uh, Miami, another testament to that truth. Uh, and so A.J. was a huge part of it. Like the, the, the Eagles roster was just so good. It was such a good environment for development. But Hurts, to his credit, man, like he walked in as a freshman at the University of Alabama, couldn't throw. Could not throw. This was an option quarterback. Um, and every year just got better. And, and and you he had that last season at Oklahoma and you're watching his film you're like oh this guy's like a this guy could be an NFL quarterback like probably not like a, a starter like maybe be a backup maybe a spot starter but man like what an improvement over four years then he got to the NFL and year one it was tough watching him throw the football in, in year one 
Year two, he starts to throw it a little better, but he's avoiding the middle of the field, right? He's not particularly accurate in the short area. And you're like, oh, God, he's getting, he's improving. Like, this guy's throwing it better than I thought he would, but I don't know if we can build an offense out of this. And then he just walks out last year and just all three levels. Like, he was, he's one of the best go ball, go ball throwers in the league. He's now willing to throw to the intermediate middle, which is really important, right? He's a little bit of a shorter quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson. Do you worry about if he's going to hit that area? It's tough to see it, tough to layer that throw in there. He's got no problem doing it. it for seven seasons in a row, the guy's gotten better. You just don't see that. Like, that's just not real. You don't you, you don't bet on it. You never see At some point, a guy just stops. And it hurts as such, whatever it is, internal motivation, such good a, a, a good quality of introspection, understanding what he needs to work on. Uh, it, it, it You know, people talk about character. People talk about leadership. I don't know what you exactly call it. But the guy's got something that allows him to improve every single season. Last year was particularly, like, where he threw the ball and how he threw it. This year, I imagine it's, like, pocket management stuff lowering the sacks, a little bit better scrambling the ball, throwing on the move, stuff like that. But at this point, you just can't bet against the guy to get better, which is obnoxious because he should stop, right? Like there are rules to this, but he hasn't yet. And so it's um, he's a, such a delightful and fun player to root for for that reason. It's because you, you can tell like, the proof of the puddings in the eat and he really, truly cares about getting better, about being the best quarterback he can be. Like that's sick. Yeah, and what a smart draft pick, too, when they had Carson Wentz to take it. He was a second-round pick, correct? Yes, and at the time, I did not think it was a smart draft pick. At the time, I was like, what are we doing, team? Um, but it turns <laughs> out how he makes his money uh, for a particular reason. That's, uh, that's good on him. All right, so I'm just looking at the Patriots' offense and how they could be successful in some sense against this Eagles' defense. And looking back to last year, 23rd in rush EPA per play, 23rd in rush success rate. Obviously, this wasn't a big issue for the Eagles because— they had so many big leads where they had they were beating the shit out of teams most games. Mm -hmm. So it's not like that run defense was exposed. So is that run defense actually something that and look, the Patriots will see what their offensive line looks like on Sunday. That could be an issue in and of itself. But is that something that can be taken advantage of or not? So definitely, yes, last year. Uh, the Eagles were pretty simple in terms of how they lined up. They had two fronts that they ran and they had a run defense front and a pass rush front. And that was about it. And they never had more than two linebackers on the field. New mm. defensive coordinator this year. Jonathan Gannon is out. Sean Desai is in. Firstly, I don't think they're ever going to have more than two linebackers on the field. It's going to be a nickel team, right? Fronts-wise, though, they're probably going to get more uh, complex. They're going to ha have more stuff, and they're going to run more stunts and games and twists and add a player and, and try to find creative ways to make the math work in the box. That way they can defend the run. Uh, the defensive line is well-suited for this, right? You lose Javon Hargrave, but you draft Jalen Carter. Jordan Davis in year two. Fletcher Cox is back. That's your interior, along with like Milton Williams, Contavious Street, just good, solid players. And then on the outside, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick. This is like an unbelievable edge group. The defensive line is going to handle it. Linebacker is two new starters, right? It's N'Kobe Dean, who was a, was a rookie last season, barely saw the field. And then uh, uh, Zach Cunningham, who came in in free agency from Tennessee. That's where you can get them, right? So you have to beat this first level. Uh, and you got to try to expose those guys, make them think, make them make decisions, make them make checks, make them adjust, because it's week one for everybody, and they're going to make mistakes. Uh, and so the run defense is gettable in the sense that Sean Desai is going to be a light box player, a uh, light box coordinator, excuse me. And because their linebackers are very inexperienced, you do got to get through the front. And that's how the Eagles predicate their entire defensive philosophy. Is they don't spend any money at linebacker, and they always play with light fronts in the last, like, four years and why because they think their defensive line is just going to solve the problem for them and against this Patriots offensive line I'm inclined to agree with them <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense so uh by the way just looking at that in terms of the you mentioned Gannon there have you mm -hmm. seen some of these clips coming out from him like that of that, course 
this is, I know the Cardinals are tanking, and look, I know guys have had bad press conferences, like Sirianni's press conference was pretty bad, like the whole systems thing, but man, that Gannon thing, that does not look very inspiring if you're a Cardinals fan. Like, you look at some of the clips they're putting out there, it looks pretty bad. I, listen, I got no problem with it. I'm loving it. As an Eagles fan who wanted to win a Super Bowl, I very much enjoy all of the Jonathan Gannon content coming out of Arizona. Keep bringing it more. I, at Philly Special, we have a segment called Gannon Watch, where anytime he does anything, we just talk about it and, and, and reminisce over the fact that he gave up 38 points to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And so, uh, yeah, these, um, this is not, not a great start to his tenure, and I agree with you. That's not everything, but right now it sure feels like it is, and I'm enjoying it. All right, Solak, before we let you go, so this is Brady Week, so Brady's going to be getting honored at the game. Uh, Kraft Entertainment put out a statement that he's essentially going to be out there pregame, and he's going to be out there getting honored at halftime. Has there been any thought from the Philly fans or the Philly organization that they should send Nick Foles just to kind of troll the whole thing? Because that, that yeah. <laughs> it's the guy that lit up Belichick in the Super Bowl. Or uh, do they hire Malcolm Butler and bring Malcolm Butler out there? We, uh, we, there were definitely a lot of Nick Foles references when the schedule was first seen, like when, when, when the schedule was deployed and then they said like, Hey, Tom Brady's, you know, uh, acknowledgement is going to be this game. Then I was like, all right, we got to bring Foles. I haven't heard anything about it since. Maybe they're trying to keep it under wraps. Uh, I imagine you just go and you beat the Patriots and you just say, okay, we beat the Patriots when they had Brady. We beat him on Brady's day. And, and that's, that's the extent of it. Would I be thrilled if I saw Nick Foles at some point? Absolutely, yes. I would lose my mind. I would be so happy if I saw Trey Burton, man. Anybody from that team, I'll, oh, be, yeah. I'll be over the moon. Yeah. Yeah, it's still one of the most, like, the things we talk about all the time here when we talk about the Patriots is the Malcolm Butler thing. It was so weird. That whole game, he's, like, crying before during the national anthem, and then he right. doesn't play. And, like... Some people tried to argue, hey, it was a scheme thing. Bill wanted to play like with all these like safeties or something along those lines. And then you think about it. Well, if it was a scheme thing, don't you think at halftime he would have figured out, hey, the Malcolm Butler guy is better than anybody else you guys have on the field and you're getting lit up. And he played basically 98 percent of the snaps. It's one of the most bizarre games. And quite frankly, I would say, well, well, obviously the 07 Super Bowl is the worst one, but that one's pretty close because Tom threw for over 500 yards and they managed to lose the game. I still cannot believe that happened. Like that was one of the Super Bowls, I would say the first Giants the Super Bowl that they lost and then the Eagles Super Bowl. I was so confident going into both those games. Like the second Giants one, I felt like, okay, that, that Patriots defense was really bad that season. I thought, okay, there's maybe a chance that they lose that one. But the one against the Eagles, I thought there's no chance they're not going to win this game against Nick Foles. It's still one of the most shocking results I've seen. My favorite Super Bowl um, of all of, you talk about all this of this Patriots Super Bowl, that one, this other one. My favorite Patriots Super Bowl was the one they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's the only <laughs> Patriots Super Bowl opinion that I have. <laughs> I hear you on that. All right. That is Ben Solak from The Ringer, The Ringer NFL Show, Extra Point Taken and the Philly Special. Solak, thank you so much for the time and enjoy the game Sunday. Of course, yeah, week one, you have a good one. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. And I'm looking at a couple of Patriots futures. I like them to go over eight and a half wins. You can get that at good value at plus 220. And remember, this Patriots team won eight games last year, and they had two losses that come to mind. The Raiders game, where Jacoby Myers threw it away, literally, to Chandler Jones. 
And that Bengals game, the Patriots were going in to win that one. And unfortunately, Ramondre Stevenson fumbled. So I love that. Plus 220 for the Patriots to win over eight and a half games. I also like the Patriots to make the playoffs at plus 250. It's very good value there. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Pike and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restriction supply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends on September 18th, 2023. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Great stuff there from Ben Solak. I really like Solak's podcast with Sheila Kapadia, who, of course, we had on last week. Extra point taken. Those guys do a great job. I listen to that pod every week, so make sure you tune into that. Great stuff there getting ready for this Eagles-Patriots game, which is an awfully difficult opponent for the Patriots to start the season off. But I'm feeling frisky. We'll get to that later. I'm feeling a little frisky about this Patriots game. Oh, by the way, before I get into this next thing, I have to mention this. I watched the movie The Whale a couple of days ago with Brandon Fraser, and he's great in the movie, whatever, great act, did a great job, he won the Oscar and all that, but I would encourage absolutely nobody to ever fucking watch that movie. It is very, very painful to watch. It is just sad the entire movie. Like, there's no moment at the end of the movie or anything along those lines, so if you haven't seen it, and like I said, I appreciate the acting. Congratulations to Brandon Fraser. He's come a long way since The Mummy. And what was the other movie he was in? I think he was in, I forget the other movie he was in. But nonetheless, he's been in a lot of weird movies. Congratulations to him for winning the Oscar for that. Do not watch that movie. Unless you want to be sad or something, do not watch that movie. Okay, so back to the football portion of the pod. So I, I have this plan. This is called This Could Happen. So it's things that I could see happening this year for the Patriots, okay? Not predicting they'll definitely happen, but things that could happen this year for the Patriots, and a couple of them I feel feel more confident about than others. Okay, so let me start with this one. And to reiterate, this is the list of receivers the Patriots are playing in their first nine games, and I kind of alluded to some of this when we had Solak on. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith in Week 1, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell in Week 2, Garrett Wilson in Week 3, CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks in Week 4, Chris Olave and we'll see about Michael Thomas in week five, Devontae Adams week six, Stephon Diggs week seven, Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill again, and then Terry McLaurin when they play the Commanders. I guess they're going to rename that team, but for now they're the Commanders. So if you look after Justin Jefferson last year, the next six players in receiving yards last year, Tyree Kill, <laughs> Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, and Jalen Waddell. <laughs> So basically, the six guys after the leader of the league are all guys the Patriots play. Devontae Smith uh, Smith was ninth in receiving yards. Terry McLaurin was 10th in receiving yards. Garrett Wilson was 15th in receiving yards. And Chris Olave was 18th in receiving yards. So the Patriots play 10 of the top 20 players in receiving yards last year in their first nine games of the season. It is ridiculous. And also, like some of the, if you look at the quarterbacks they play, Jalen Hurts in week one, we just talked about him. He's good. Tua is good. Rodgers is a four time MVP. You have Dak Prescott, who's a good quarterback. Derek Carr, 
Bad year last year. We'll see if he bounces back. Jimmy Garoppolo, not a really good quarterback. Josh Allen, good quarterback. Tua again. Howell, I'm not ready to say he's a good quarterback, right? Nobody would, but that's a decent list of quarterbacks, especially when you're talking about Rodgers and Hurts and Tua and Josh Allen. Like, that's a good group. So it's a really tough stretch on your defense. And in particular, this is a really tough stretch on your young corners, Jack Jones and Christian Gonzalez. And just on a side note, Jack Jones had the gun charges dropped, which is huge for the Patriots on the field. And you think about what he was facing. Two counts of unlawful possession of a firearm, carrying a loaded firearm, possession of a large capacity feeding device, possession of ammunition without a firearm identification card. He was also charged with two counts of airport security violation, possession of a concealed weapon in a secure area of an airport. We did a whole pot about this with Andrew Callahan and talked about how serious these charges are. And all of a sudden, you get the news that those charges were dropped. This had been a topic of conversation for so long. We're talking about the Patriots season, like, hey, how good are they going to be if Jack Jones isn't there? Because he had a good rookie season. Obviously, the Patriots stood by the player. And part of that is the talent. Like, they need Jack Jones to be good this season. He was really good as a rookie, as we've talked about. But man, this is just huge for the Patriots, just massive. You now have two young, promising corners on your roster. And look, obviously, Jack Jones has some off-the-field issues going back to his collegiate days, but I just can't believe we've arrived at this point where those charges were dropped. I did not foresee that coming. And look, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a legal expert or anything along those lines, but I just did not expect that to come out the way that it did. And it's good news for the Patriots in terms of their 2023 season and beyond, because if he continues to play at the level he did before the injury. This is a really good young cornerback to go along with a guy that you took in the first round in Christian Gonzalez. But I do want to get to something that might happen, as I mentioned. So we gave you the list of receivers. The Patriots pass rush is going to have an even better group than it had a season ago. We talked about that with Solak a little bit as well. But even if that pass rush is great, your young corners could have some real issues early on this year. Hopefully the pass rush can minimize some of that. But this is a gauntlet that these corners have to go up against to begin the season. And Christian Gonzalez, as I've said on multiple occasions, I love the pick. The guy fits the profile of a number one corner. He's over 6'1", so his height is in the 89th percentile for a corner. So he has the size to compete with bigger receivers. The 40 was at 4'38". That's in the the 89th percentile, I should say. So he has the speed to run with the faster receivers. He fits the profile. Great college career. So I think he's going to be really, really good, really good. But we and maybe I should just say I, not we like, but I feel like most of the fan base, I think I can say this, that we feel like, oh, they finally got this legitimate bona fide number one corner. I feel like most of us feel that way as Patriots fans. And last year, like you look at what Sauce Gardner did for the Jets, he won the defensive rookie of the year. He had a 53.9 passer rating against that was fourth in the NFL. So he had really good numbers and also Pro Football Focus had the, had Sauce Gardner ranked as their top ranked corner. So he was elite right away as a rookie. So I think sort of the assumption has been, well, hey, Sauce Gardner, Patrick Sertain, they came in and you get elite corner play instantly. And I just think that's an unfair expectation for Christian Gonzalez just based on the level of competition that this Patriots team is looking at to begin its season. So sort of to get to the theme of this exercise, this could happen. I think that Christian Gonzalez could have some rough performances early on the season. And to be abundantly clear, okay, don't go nuts, people. 
This will not make me sell any of my Christian Gonzalez stock. In fact, this could help him long term. There will be an adjustment period, right? Just look at a cross sport comparison. If we take Tristan Casas, okay, Casas hit 133 in April, and I know that he got a little of experience last year, but nonetheless, this is his first full year in Major League Baseball. He hit 133 in April, in March, because he played a few games in March, but March slash April, he hit 133, last in Major League Baseball. There was an adjustment period. So how about the second half of the season? So in the second half of the season, he is second in slugging percentage behind only Corey Seager right in front of Mookie Betts. And he's third in OPS behind only Seager and Mookie Betts. He has legitimately been one of the best players in Major League Baseball in the second half of the season after being legitimately, by the numbers, the worst hitter in Major League Baseball in the month of April slash March, if you will. So with Gonzalez, he's going from matching up against Pac-12 receivers to 10 of the top 20 receivers from a year ago in the first nine weeks of the season. And we know there's scheme stuff they can do to help protect guys on the back end, but this is just an impossible stretch. This would be tough for Prime Revis when he went through all those receivers. Remember the great 2009 season he had where he just dominated all these great receivers? This would be tough for Revis. So like I said with Casas at the time in April, and some of you may remember what I said, trust the process, right? You had people in the media saying they need to send Tristan Casas down. No, you have to trust the process. Eventually he will be fine. But just I would just caution Patriots fans to be prepared for some tough games early early on and this sort of becoming a narrative like hey were the Patriots did they really make the right pick the correct pick at 17 just be prepared for some of that in terms of a narrative early on but to be abundantly clear from my perspective this doesn't mean you should be down on Christian Gonzalez because Chris Olave burns him in a game against the Saints or he has trouble against Garrett Wilson or Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell like this is going to happen early on in the season don't panic we're looking at the long game here when you're developing a corner like Christian Gonzalez. Okay, number two in terms of this might happen. This could happen. Matthew Judon could win the Defensive Player of the Year. We just chatted with about him with Solak. So if you look at FanDuel right now, really good value. Plus 5,000 for Judon to win the Defensive Player of the Year. And look, the league is loaded with great pass rushers. Micah Parsons, who's the favorite. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. Nick Bosa just got that massive deal. Those are the guys with the shortest odds. And Bosa, of course, won it last year. But that plus 5,000, really good value, especially if we think, and I do, that the Patriots are going to have an elite defense because he's the best player on the unit, right? So it's good value there. So you have to think about this narrative-wise. If the Patriots are a playoff team, they'll have one of the top defenses in the league, right? And remember, last year they were third in EPA per play, they were fifth in success rate, and they were second in scoring percentage against. So they had an elite defense last year. So it's very possible that they're a top three defense again this year, despite the, t- the difficult schedule that we went through. And if the Patriots are a playoff team, they're going to be carried by the defense, right? Now, obviously, Mac Jones is going to do his thing. The running game has to do its thing, but it's going to be carried by this defense. Because even though I believe the Patriots are going to be improved offensively, this defense needs to be an, an elite unit. And if you look at Judon, Last season, he was tied for fourth in sacks with 15 and a half. He was tied with Chris Jones, only Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett, and Hassan Reddick had more. So Judon went from 12 and a half to 15 and a half last season. An increase of three sacks, really good, right? He continues to get better. And last year was his 30-year-old season. So I expect him to be better again, or at least 
a similar player to the one that he was last year. And even though Judon doesn't live in the same neighborhood as the Bosa's, the Garrett's, the Watts, the Parsons, if that sack total is in the neighborhood of those guys, like it was last year, and the Patriots make the playoffs on the back of their defense, Judon's going to get some buzz, right? And we saw this happen with Stephon Gilmore. He was not the best defensive player in the year that he won the defensive player of the year. He wasn't the best defensive player in the NFL. Aaron Donald was still that guy, but he had already won back-to-back, right? The voters wanted something new. So Watt has already won one. Bosa has already won one. If there's something that happens with the Cowboys, like we've seen in the past, the Cowboys tend to underachieve. If they underachieve for some reason, like if their offense isn't as good because Mike McCarthy's calling plays and Kellen Moore is not there anymore, so they don't make the playoffs because of the offense, maybe Mike Pars- Micah Parsons doesn't get the credit that he deserves. If the Browns are a mess again like they were last year, if the Deshaun Watson situation doesn't work out, are they going to give it to Miles Garrett, who would be hypothetically playing for a bad team? So there's a way that Judon could be in the conversation late, depending on what the narrative is around the NFL and depending on what the narrative is in particular for Judon. So the case is the team's great. Those other teams, mainly the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Browns, they're not good. The Pats are a playoff team. Judon continues to play at an elite level. So I think there is a path that he gets there. I'm saying this is a very difficult path. And this is why I said this could happen. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden we're in week 16 and you're like, whoa, Judon's got 15 sacks again. He is in the conversation for defensive player of the year. I could see this happening. Okay, the next thing, this could happen. The Patriots running back duo is going to be a big story. So first, let's think about this from Zeke's perspective. Remember what the narrative was in Dallas last year. Why is Zeke getting so many carries? We have Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's the more explosive back. And they're right. Zeke had 38 more carries than Pollard. Despite Pollard averaging 5.2 yards per carry, Zeke was at 3.8. Okay? So... There's an argument that, yes, Tony Pollard should have been getting more carries. I totally understand all that. But Zeke went from being one of the best running backs in the league for a four to five year stretch. He led the league in rushing his rookie year to basically, hey, this guy has a bad contract and why is he getting so many carries? That's where Zeke went from the beginning of his career to last season. And look, I understand the narratives, but Zeke has something to prove, right? And I have to imagine that he's refreshed not having to deal with all those narratives and just focus on playing football. And he comes to this Patriots situation where he knows he's not the main guy, and clearly he's fine with that, or else he wouldn't have signed with the team. Like, there's no way that the Patriots like, hey, you're going to have similar carries to Ramondre. No, he knows he's the number two back. He signed here knowing that. And remember, Ramondre Stevenson loves Ezekiel Elliott. Mike Reese in his Sunday notes, he mentioned that Ramondre... When he was getting ready for the 2021 draft, he was working with Zeke. They shared the same trainer. Ramondre on Zeke. I was hoping to play with him, but we never thought it would actually happen. He went on to say, it goes back to his Ohio State days. His versatility was unmatched to me. He could do it all. Pass block, catch the ball, run hard, just the whole nine yards. He's a bigger back like me. So Ramondre loves Ezekiel Elliott. He looks up to him. And remember, we're talking about two huge backs Ramondre is 227, Zeke is 228, and you have both these guys coming at you all game. It's not fun to tackle one of these guys later in the game, never mind when you have to deal with both of them, and Ramondre is going to be fresher at the end of games this year compared to where he was a season ago. And remember how good Ramondre was. We were talking with Solak about this as well. The Patriots were 20th in rush block grade via PFF 
And if you look at ESPN's run block win rate, the Patriots were dead last. So with no help from the line, he still averaged 5.0 yards per carry. That was tied for ninth among running backs. And we know the Patriots have line issues, but the scheme should be better. And what we found out about Ramondre last year is he's essentially line proof with the numbers he put up. Some running backs are propped up by the offensive line. We saw this firsthand with the Patriots in 2018. Sonny Michel had a nice run, especially into the postseason. That was about the offensive line more so than it was about Sonny Michel, right? Ramondre can actually elevate the offensive line with his production. Not saying that we're going to look at this line and say it's the strength of the team, but in the run game, it may not be a problem because of what Ramondre and Zeke can do. And remember with Zeke last season, even a year that everybody would be considered a down year for Zeke, right? 110 yards on third down, that was first among running backs. 18 first downs, that was first among all players on third down in terms of rushing. 12 touchdowns in the red zone last year, only Jamal Williams had more. So he has a nose for picking up short yardage, and he has a nose for the end zone. So some of those grimy, tough yards, Zeke is really great in that, and better than Ramondre in that category, and they'll use him that way. And that takes some wear and tear, some tread off the tires from Ramondre. And with Ramondre, we know about the 69 receptions, fourth among running backs. And I believe there is more there. Last year was a lot of dump offs, right? And I know Solak said that he may not have the amount of receptions, but I think you can do more with him in the passing game, not in terms of the actual receptions. I tend to agree with Solak on that, but just in terms of the way that he's actually featured as a receiver. Now with a comp a competent offensive coordinator, you can use him more in the passing game rather than just like, hey, nobody's open. Mac just dumps it down, right? And remember, Bill O'Brien came from Alabama. They had Jameer Gibbs there, who, of course, the Lions took in the first round, a pick that was royally criticized. But Gibbs is a really good running back. It's just the value of the position, right? But if you look at Gibbs at the collegiate level last year playing with Bill O'Brien as his play caller, he was third in receiving yards among running backs at the collegiate level. So Bill O'Brien, when he has a playmaker at the running back position, he can dial up things for that guy. And when I look at Ramondre Stevenson, I would expect that Bill O'Brien does that. And the other thing about Zeke, that team last year in Dallas wasn't his team anymore, which it used to be. It it, it had become about Dak and it become about Micah Parsons, right? And those guys are maker stars. I get all that. But this Patriots team, McCourty's gone. We talked to James White about that. On the offensive side, you have David Andrews as a vet, as your center, but and Mac is a young quarterback. I just feel like Zeke can provide a huge leadership role for this offense. So I just feel like this matches up perfectly for Zeke with a young and -and up-and-coming back in Ramondre Stevenson. He can take some of the stress off Ramondre, but also help him, right? Like, this guy was an elite running back for a five-year period. I'm sure like when they're watching film, Zeke can show Ramondre stuff, right? These guys, I really believe they're going to be a story. They're going to be close. They're already like got a friendship and all that. I do wonder like, is there a nickname at some point for Ramondre and Zeke? We'll see. I'm just excited. I think this duo is really going to be a story for the Patriots this year. Okay, no surprise this could happen. The Kendrick Bourne extension conversation becomes something that we talk about in the media. Like we start to hear, hey, they should extend Kendrick Bourne. And remember, I've predicted multiple times. I, I mentioned it with Solak. There, Kendrick Bourne's going to lead the team in terms of receiving. We've gone through all the stats of them, but if you think about it, he's been so critical when he actually plays. He's been so critical to Mac Jones's success, and we ran through some of the numbers. 
I just expect that he's going to have a massive year. And I've said this on multiple pods now. I'm just all in. I'm back in on Kendrick Bourne. So, hey, remember, this is the final year of his contract. Should the Patriots extend Kendrick Bourne? Is Kendrick Bourne getting an extension? I feel like this is going to be a conversation. We've heard it all offseason with Uche and with Duggar, but I really think that Kendrick Bourne is now going to be the focus going forward when we talk about contract extensions because I feel like he's due for a massive season. Okay, this could happen. Matt could jump to the top of the non-elite quarterbacks. Okay, what do you mean by that, Brian, right? So, Steven Ruiz at the ringer, of course, he has his quarterback rankings up right now. His top 10 is Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Lamar, Lawrence, who, by the way, I love. More on that later. Rodgers, Dak, Stafford, and Hurts, okay? So, I think Stafford is the one that could drop off significantly just based on all the injuries. Dak's pretty solid to me. But if you look at where Mac is, he has him 23rd. <laughs> now, it is funny. Ruiz held a spot for Brady. He says he's holding the spot there, but I'll take Brady out. 12th, he had Kyler Murray, who's hurt. I'll take him out, and they're tanking. They're not going to play Kyler Murray. By the way, I don't really even like Murray as a player. I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of him. And the fact that, and I know people can talk about the contract, the clause in the contract that was ridiculous by the organization. And I agree, like, it's ridiculous that it got out there, but why was it in there? The guy doesn't watch film. Like, this has been documented. I've never been a big Murray guy. But if you look at 13 is Geno Smith, 14 is Kirk Cousins, 15 is Tua, 16 is Jared Goff, 17 is Russell Wilson, 18 is Derek Carr, 19 is Ryan Tannehill, 20 is Daniel Jones, 21 is Deshaun Watson, 22 is Jimmy Garoppolo, 23 is Mac Jones. Okay, so if you take out Brady and Murray as I did, that puts Mac at 21. So can you make it into that top 15? Because I think this is where Mac needs to live. Top 15. I think the sweet spot is somewhere between 11 and 15 for Mac. And if he can get into that top 15 with the way we expect this defense to play and with what we expect from Ramondre and Zeke, it should be good enough to keep you competitive throughout the season and give you an opportunity to get into the playoffs. So, if you look at it, Watson was certainly worse than Mac last year. He was atrocious, and he's the ultimate wild card. Like, maybe the guy that we saw in Houston just doesn't exist anymore. That's certainly a possibility. Daniel Jones, remember, he was asked to do pretty much nothing last year in terms of difficult passes. He was last in intended air yards per attempt. The guy threw just 15 touchdown passes last year, and they gave him a big extension. Like, I still don't know why they did that, but nonetheless. Cousins always has good numbers, but he never wins big games. Jimmy Garoppolo's never healthy. Russell Wilson looked horrendous last year, and I'm not buying into all this Broncos hype. Geno had the best year of his career. Tua is always hurt. Goff has had good seasons. He's had bad seasons. Ben Johnson, great offensive coordinator. But remember, the Rams gave up on Goff because they didn't think he was good enough. And look, the reason I point this out is Mac has his flaws too. We're aware of them, right? He does not play well from behind. He can't extend plays. But the point is, All these guys, when you look at that group, they all have reasons why they're not in the top 10 neighborhood and are never going to get into the top 10 neighborhood, with the exception of maybe Watson, if he's the guy that he used to be, or Russell Wilson, if he's the guy that he used to be. I don't see that happening for either one of those guys. But what we've seen is all these guys can play at a high level. Like if you look at Geno last year, he finished fifth in passer rating at 100.9. The Seahawks make the playoffs. Jimmy, in the 10 games that he played, he was seven and three. He had a 103 rating. That was third. The Niners made the playoffs. Cousins last year was at 267 yards per game. That was seventh. Tua led the NFL in yards per attempt at 8.9. All those guys made the playoffs last year, right? And of course, Jimmy couldn't play. But if you look at the guys that didn't make the playoffs that are ahead of Mac on this list, Derek Carr completed 60.8% of his passes. He got benched. That was 29th in the NFL, the completion percentage. He, as a quarterback, as the starter, they went six and nine. 
Tannehill threw for just 211 yards per game last season. That was 21st. He goes 6 and 6. Mack last season, 6.8 yards per attempt, 25th. The Patriots, of course, as we all know, missed the playoffs. You look at the previous season, though. Cousins was 17th in completion percentage. They missed the playoffs. They go 8-8. Eight and eight. Two of the previous season, a 90.1 passer rating, that was 19th. So the point being, these guys aren't just penciled in as being great, like Rodgers, Burrow, Mahomes, that group, Josh Allen. They go up and down. So for the Patriots to be a playoff team, Mac has to be on that upper tier, upper tier, I should say, between 11 and 15. So what could happen is I believe that Mac climbs up this list. I really do. And there's some reasons for this. And this is sort of another, this could happen. One of the things that we saw last year from Mac and one of the arguments, like the Bill O'Brien thing, that's the main factor where I think Mac gets back between somewhere between 11 and 15 in the NFL. A couple of reasons for this in terms of why I think he gets there. Mac should not suck against the Blitz this season. If you go back to 2021, Mac Jones, in terms of his completion percentage against the Blitz, was at 65.2%. That was 12th of 40 qualifiers. He was right behind that Tom Brady guy. If you go to 2022, Mac's numbers against the Blitz in terms of the completion percentage, 53.9%. That was 40th of 41 qualifiers. So the completion percentage dropped 11.3 percentage points. Okay, then you look at the passer rating. He was at 90.2 in 2021. In 2022, he was at 72. So the passer rating dropped 18.2 points against the Blitz. And there's some reasons for that, right? And I'm not just going to go to blaming Patricia, but part of it is the scheme, right? So what was happening is they didn't have the answers. They didn't have blitz beaters like you would expect Bill O'Brien to have because Josh McDaniels had him two years prior. Mac was blitzed at an extremely high level two years ago. And if you look at it in terms of 2021, the time to throw was at 2.44. That was 16th in the NFL. So it's not top half or it's around top half of the league, but it wasn't like, Mac Jones is somebody that was holding on to the ball. Like he knew where his outlets were. Because if you go to 2022, that number was at 2.52. So it increased significantly with Matt Patricia compared to Josh McDaniels because Mac knew where his outlets were going to be against the Blitz. The other big thing is if you go to 2021, the A dot, which is the average depth of target, was 8.7. That was 15th in the NFL. If you go to 2022, that was at 9.9, which was the third highest. Remember, Mac was terrible against the Blitz. The average depth of target was the third highest in the NFL. What's the reason for that? Because they didn't have answers, right? So basically, Mac's just throwing the ball down the field because they didn't have answers against the Blitz. So this is one of the things that I look at and saying why Mac can get between 11 and 15. Well, they're going to have Blitz beaters again. They're going to have answers to when teams bring pressure. Like I reference Mac pressure, Mac's pressure numbers all the time. Part of that is because they didn't have answers to how to beat the Blitz. And he was actually pretty, I'm not saying he was great against the Blitz his rookie season, but he was fine. He was passable against the Blitz last year. He was atrocious. I'm predicting that he gets back to being at least fine against the Blitz this season. Okay, my next, this could happen. And I think that a lot of Patriots fans are going to like this. Brady is really going to mentor Mac. So Mac was doing his weekly spot on WEI and he was asked about Tom this week. He said he's definitely a legend. I have all the respect for him. He's a great guy. He's actually helped me a lot already. Just talking to him or whatever, he's been a great mentor and stuff. He's a great player. He also said that he's been made comfortable reaching out to Brady if he needs to. He also said, love watching his film. He pops up on game tape, obviously from last year and everything too. 
He always on film is doing the right thing. So I'm just trying to learn from him. He's been awesome. This is like Patriots porn, right? Like This is what we want to hear. Max talking about Brady, right? So now that Brady is no longer a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and no longer playing, I think he's going to want to get his football fix in in some capacity, right? Because he's not calling Fox games this year. And I think he does want to help out the Patriots organization, right? Like he already, like in terms of proving the Patriots wrong, he already did that. He's over that. He won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've seen that there's no bad blood anymore between the Patriots and Tom Brady, Belichick or Kraft. There's no bad blood. And would it shock anybody that a guy that loves watching film and Tom would want to watch Max film and give him notes? He's going to have to get his fix in in some capacity. And I already think Brady is going to get swept up this weekend. Remember, when he came back the first time as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Tom mentioned it. He had to harness his emotions and try to win a football game, right? That was his main reason for coming here, to try to win a football game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is going to be insane. The response that he is going to get at Gillette, it's going to be emotional for Tom. It's going to be emotional for the fans. Now, and Bill recently, Belichick, after Brady retired, went on his pod. He'll be around Bill a bit this weekend. He's going to be around Kraft all weekend. He'll go out with some of his former teammates that are going to be there. And Brady wants the Patriots to succeed, right? Like his career's over now. This wasn't about, hey, I'm with the Buccaneers. I'm proving the No, now he wants the Patriots to succeed. And this sounds corny, but I really think this is happening. If the Patriots are like, I think that he wants this to be an improved franchise going forward. Like, he's he's already done his thing for the Patriots, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really think that this thing could be cool. Like, the whole Brady-Mac thing. And the Patriots, as I mentioned, as I briefly alluded to earlier, like, we're going to see him pregame. We're gonna, he's honored at halftime. I'm interested to see, like, is he going to run out of the tunnel? Is he going to have theme music? Like, I'm so excited to see what happens with Brady this week. But I really do believe that we're going to be in a situation where going forward, the Tom-Mac relationship, the mentorship, if you will, is actually a real thing. All right, a lot more to get into. Coming up next, I'm going to give you my game pick. And also, I got a bunch of futures for the NFL season thanks to our friends at FanDuel. We'll bring in producer extraordinaire Jamie McClellan. We'll get his take on this, and we'll do that next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Welcome back into Off the Pike. All right, so I want to give you my Pat's recipe to beat the Eagles. Okay, so we talked about how good the Eagles pass rush is on the Tuesday pod. We talked about it earlier on this pod with Solak. We know their defense is suspect against the run. Now, as Solak said, maybe the Patriots can't take advantage of that. But 
They have not been great as a rushing defense. Maybe as Solak said, things change with the new defensive coordinator. But okay, if you go back to the games that the Eagles lost last season when Jalen Hurts actually played, because I'm not factoring in when Minshew played. The Chiefs in the Super Bowl ran for 158 yards on just 26 attempts. So 6.1 yards per carry. Now, Mahomes did some of that himself, and they were not game planning to stop the run because Mahomes in the offense, they're known to pass the ball, right? So maybe you throw that one out because it's the Chiefs and they sort of live in their own universe. But how about the Commanders? They Yes, they lost to the Commanders last year. Washington ran, get this, 81 plays. 81 plays compared to the Eagles' 47. The Commanders had the ball for 40 minutes and 24 seconds. So they more than doubled the Eagles in terms of time of possession. This is what Washington was good at last year. Like, they were really good. They were first in the NFL in terms of time of possession at... In 2022, the Eagles were fifth. So if you look at the Eagles, this is what they usually dominated in time of possession. The commanders flipped that. Now, the Patriots, not shockingly, were bad in terms of time of possession last year. They were 26 and all the caveats with who was running the offense, etc. So it was not a strength of the Patriots last year, but it should be this year for a couple of reasons. And you look at what the commanders did. They ran the ball 49 times, not super efficient, but they did run for 152 yards, even though it wasn't efficient. The other thing they did is Heineke in that game threw for 92 yards out of play action. That was 43.6% of his yardage in the game. So this is sort of what we expect from Bill O'Brien, right? The play action, the RPO game. This is how you beat the Eagles. Control the clock, run the ball, and the play action in the RPO game. And of course, your defense has to do something against Jalen Hurts and company as well. But it also starts with first down because they need to respect your passing game, right? In order for you to run the ball very efficiently. And what that comes down to is being good on first down, being efficient on first down. So we know what these Patriots running backs can do. But I believe they're going to be much better on first down throwing the football. So if you look at Mac last season, he completed just 64.3% of his passes on first down. That ranked 21st among quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts. And if you look at the passer rating, he was at 77. That was 27th. Okay, but if you go back to 2021, when he had a competent offensive coordinator like Josh McDaniels, on first down, Matt completed 68.5% of his passes compared to 64.3 last season. If you look at his passer rating, 100.2 on first down in 2021, which was 10th in the NFL, compared to 77 last season. So the completion percentage dropped 4.2 percentage points last season, and the passer rating dropped 23.2 percentage points. So do we think that Mac Jones is just way worse on first down than he was two years ago? No, it's simple. It's the play calling, right? And if you look at some of the guys in terms of their rating in 2022 on first down, Tua was first. Great play caller. Marcus Mariota was fourth. It's because he has a great play caller. Marcus Mariota stinks. There's a reason he's not the quarterback in Atlanta anymore. Geno Smith was fifth. Good player. Not a great player. It's because he has a good play caller in Waldron. Jimmy Garoppolo, ninth in passer rating on first down last year. Oh, yeah, he has the Kyle Shanahan guy. So those guys aren't way better quarterbacks than Mac. Even if you want to have the discussion who's better, who's not better, it's a scheme thing. So I think the Patriots are going to pass to set up their run game and keep that offense on the field, like the RPO game, the play action game, get Mac in a rhythm, get Mac going, 
and then it's gonna open up lanes for you in terms of what you can do from a rushing aspect. And how about this? Brady is in the building. Brady is in the building, okay, for the opener. You cannot lose the Tom Brady game. You cannot do it. So give me the Patriots, thanks to our friends at FanDuel, plus 172 on the money line. I'm taking the upset. It's not worth, if I think the Patriots are going to win, it's not worth taking them on the spread, minus 105. The juice, plus 172 in terms of the Patriots on the money line. I'm going big. The Patriots are going to need to beat a couple of good teams early on. Why not the opening week? Remember this too. The Eagles are coming off a Super Bowl loss. Ordinarily, teams off a Super Bowl loss don't respond well. We've seen this throughout the history of the NFL, right? With the exception of the Patriots, like they go back to the Super Bowl, etc. Not a lot of teams respond well after losing in the Super Bowl. And Kraft Entertainment had this. This is via Andrew Callahan. It's going to be a halftime ceremony just so fans will be there. But we would anticipate, and I kind of alluded to this, fans seeing Brady on the field pregame. That place is going to be electric. The team is going to feed off it, even though the Eagles are the significantly better team. I think the Patriots, Bill O'Brien's offense, max in a rhythm early on. The Patriots are able to run the football, and they're able to do just enough defensively to give this Eagles offense some issues and get after Jalen Hurts. Because we've seen in the past, this Patriots pass rush, it's really good. It's much improved. I'm going with the upset early on this season. I like the Patriots to win this game. And I know I may come on the pod on Sunday and say, why did I do that? I picked with my heart over my head. I just, I got a feeling about this. At some point, they're going to have to build up momentum early on in this season. They need a big win early on to make sure that everybody sort of feels validated. Hey, the Bill O'Brien hire was good. Mac Jones is going to be good again. This is going to be one of the elite defenses in the NFL. I think it happens in week one, and what a better time to do it than Tom Brady in the building. Okay, we bring in Jamie McClellan to tell me if I'm crazy or not for picking the Patriots to win in week one. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too much. Jamie, how are you feeling about this week one matchup? I can't be the guy to come in here and take the Eagles. You know, that wouldn't be right. I liked well, your argument. It's the first week of the year. Who knows? They could They could win. Why not? Right? I'm with you, man. Yeah. Crazy things happen all the time in week Anything one. And by the way, you have a Belichick hoodie on right now. Like, it's even cut. The hoodie. You can't, I was trying to think about like what position groups, et cetera, that the Patriots have over the Eagles. And it was a hard list to come up with. But you could argue Belichick. You know, he could scheme something up. Yeah. Well, and remember last year, speaking of the week one thing that you mentioned, it's a good point. I believe it was the Bears that beat the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> In week one, and the Niners played in this thing called the NFC Championship game, and the Bears had the number Mm -hmm. one pick that they eventually traded away to the Carolina Panthers. So there's usually a stunner early on in the season. And I think like maybe the Texans and the Titans tied last year or something along those lines. This is a weird week one where somebody, I think the Texans actually won in week one. So I'm going with it, man. I'm saying upset city. Brady's in the building. I mean, I I think it feels so weird. Eagles, for sure. This game is going to be weird, man. Like, from a Patriots perspective, like, from yeah. a fan's perspective, it's like, you're getting fired up for a game, and then it's like, I feel like at the beginning, like, he's, I think he's going to run out of the tunnel or something. Like, I'm not Ooh. exactly sure what's going to happen. Maybe he's, yeah, bump. like, that's what I think is going to happen. That That's what he's known for, right? Like, coming sure. out of the tunnel, like, he's known for a lot of stuff, like, one of the most Super Bowls <laughs> ever, but he's known for that, like, running out of the tunnel. So, I think that's yeah. going to happen. Halftime, though, I think that's kind of where you're going to be like, okay, we're in game mode. And the Patriots are taking on this Eagles team. And maybe it's close at halftime, like 14-10 or something along yeah. those lines. You're fired up about the game. And then they're showing all these Tom highlights and Tom's talking or 
crafts talking, then it's like, what? This just got really emotional. We got to get back to playing. Now, it's not going to affect the players. It's not going to affect Belichick. But from a, from a fan perspective, yeah, don't soft us, don't soften us up too much. Like at halftime, okay? Like the crowd needs to be raucous. Yeah, we'll see what the score is at halftime. I think the only thing, based on what you were saying, which obviously it makes sense, I think, in terms of controlling the clock, but. I think realistically, even though the defense is good, the Patriots defense, they can't. I don't think anyone basically can stop some of these offenses, you know, or the running quarterback with these amazing receivers. So I think if the Patriots are going to win, they're going to have to put up some points, which they haven't done in two years. But in terms of winning games, they scored 30 or more points. But I just think realistically, you can't actually put a lid on these other good offenses. So you're just going to have to keep up with them. And maybe maybe this new team can with a better offensive approach. Yeah, and the Eagles have been really quick starters. If you go back to last season, they averaged 5.9 points per game in the first quarter. That was the third most in the NFL. The Patriots, we talked about this on the pod throughout the season last year. They were 30th in points per game in the first quarter at 2.7. So both those things are going to need to change for Mm -hmm. the Patriots to stay competitive. Because if they stay in this game, like if it's... Seven to three after hat or after the first quarter. If it's seven to seven, just that the Eagles don't have a two score lead, then mm-hmm. the Patriots can continue to play on schedule. Because as much as I think Mac's going to have a much better season, I think most Patriots fans feel that he's going to have a much better season than the one that he had a year ago. Mac's not a guy that you want playing from behind, especially, and it's not just Mac. It's hey, this offensive yeah. line, they could have issues well. in terms of pass protection. You don't have the best receiving core in the NFL, even though I'm the president of the Kendrick Bourne fan club. Like, you don't have all these weapons. You well. don't have a great offensive line, so you have to stay on schedule. So that first quarter is going to be so pivotal for this Patriots team. All right, Jamie, so our friends at FanDuel, I got a bunch of futures here. So let's run through some of these. My first one, I talked to Solak about this. I have Ramondre over 875 and a half rushing yards. It's minus 112 for both the over and the under. Last year, he's at 1,040 on 210 carries. And I get it. The argument against it would be, well, Zeke's here. This is not going to be like a running back share where Zeke is getting a similar amount of carries to Ramondre Stevenson. Like it's going to be maybe 75 to 25 or 70 to 30, right? Like Zeke is the clear definitive number two back. And I love the signing at the time. But unless there's an injury, I don't see how Ramondre doesn't go over that this season. I like Ramondre over 875 and a half yards. I, I cannot see him not getting to that number. Yeah, I like that. He's my, my RB1 on my fantasy team, so I'm a Oh, you got him. I got him. Uh, you know, Only question is the touchdowns, man. I know. I know. Look, I wasn't thrilled about it, but the point being, I think he's the best running back we've had, obviously, in 10-plus years and our best offensive player, so... I assume if you want to win games, you got to give them the ball. So I think 875 sounds perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I'm with you. Definitely the most complete back. I mean, you'd probably have to go back to like Corey Dillon, who was dominant. But like, you're right, because the Patriots have had these specific roles, right? Like you mentioned LeGarrette Blunt. I can't remember if it was this week or last week. He was great at running in between the Mm -hmm. tackles, right? And then you think back to like Shane Vereen and James White was the best out of this group. They were great at catching the ball to the backfield. Yeah, Ridley was decent running the football. But all those guys, like, there wasn't the guy that could play. The Patriots haven't had that three down back. And that's what Ramondre Stevenson is. I too. He's amazing. You just watch him with the ball. He he looks amazing. And he's He's a freak show. He is a freak show, man. 227 to be able to run the way Mm -hmm. that he runs. It's just, it's unbelievable. Okay. My next one from our FanDuel Futures. I have max touchdowns are at 20. And I'm going over. That's at minus 110. Mac had 22 in 17 games his rookie season. If he plays 17 games, he's getting north of 20. 
How about this? Every quarterback that started 17 games last season had 25 or more touchdowns. Daniel Jones was the only quarterback that played 16 games and didn't have more than 20. So if he even plays six, one guy, Daniel Jones. So yeah. basically, if Mac Jones plays 16 games, he's going to get over that 20 touchdown threshold. He did it as a rookie. And I would expect that, you know what, the Patriots, by the way, they were dead last in the NFL in touchdown percentage in the red zone last year. I don't believe that's going to happen again. So yeah. I think Mac is going over the 20. I mean, that's a good stat to pull out that everyone's done it, I guess. You know, with all these over-under bets, it's if he's going to play 17 games, which obviously he didn't do last year. But, you know, I think he'll be healthier. And I think given there's plenty of people to throw the ball to, especially guys like, you know, Gusecki as a red zone threat. So, yeah, I think 20, 21 sounds doable. Yeah, like no the, doubt about that. And then I have Mac over 3,250 passing yards. That's at minus 112. Oh, as yeah. a rookie, he's at 3,801. Last year, he's at... 2,997 in 14 games. And remember, it's really misleading because it was 13 games. He played three series against the Bears. Right, the Bears game and count. Mac was bad last year. So that number to me is too low. So I'm going over that number. You agree with that one? Yeah, for sure. That seems okay. tiny. Yeah, easy. Here's one that I just like because the juice is really good on it. So Fandle has, you can pick exact win totals, which okay. I absolutely love. So I have the Patriots at exactly nine wins. Plus 750. I mean, these are great numbers. If I'm yeah. predicting the Patriots to be a playoff team, sneak into yeah. one of those wild card spots, they got to get to at least nine. That is at plus 750. That is tremendous value. The Patriots yeah. at to win nine games plus 750. Uh, that, that sounds where they're probably most likely going to end up. I guess the only thing I'd be curious about is if you could like hedge by taking eight wins and 10 wins. I don't know if they're as good odds because like they're going to land somewhere in there. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, I'm on Fandle right now, so I can yeah. give you the answer to that. Plus to win eight games uh-huh. plus 650. Okay. So I'd much okay. rather just go with the plus 700 at the nine games. 10 wins. Exactly. This is juicy. Plus 1100. Oh, come on. You get, That's get one extra those. win than I have. Guaranteed some cash. I mean, should I, should I, I'm staying with nine. <laughs> nine is maybe, probably most likely. I got a couple of more I mean, hours. Most to put likely these... maybe eight, but nine for, you know, hope springs eternal at the beginning of the year. I, I'm going to stick with the nine, the plus 700, but man, I'm tempted by that plus 1100 number right now. Like All that. right. Next future on FanDuel, Zeke over four and a half rushing touchdowns. That's at plus mm. 100. He had 12 last year. And I know that Ramondre's here. Well. I don't think that the Patriots, especially considering who the coach is, they're going to be afraid of taking touchdowns away from Ramondre. I don't think Ramondre seems like he's going to be irritated by that. Zeke, the thing that he contributes to this team is short down rushing, third down, and in the red zone. He is one of the best red zone rushers over the past four to five years. If you sign him, I think you're going to use him for that. Like, that's the one thing, and I know you can say pass protection too, but that's the one thing he's better than Ramondre with. So I think he's definitely going over four and a half rushing touchdowns. These these bets are always tr- tricky at the beginning of the year because they all sound so great. I'm like, yeah, of course he's going to have over four and a half touchdowns. But no, five sounds, that sounds fine. I mean, it's easy. One bet I saw, Brian, similarly, which again, it's like you kind of get lost in the optimism of the season, but it was plus nine, 9,500, plus 9,500 for the Patriots to score a rushing touchdown in every game. And I'm like, pretty good, pretty good odds for that. But I mean, I guess you have mm. one, one off week or something like that. But what do you think of that? That's juicy. It's nine, almost nine, worth nine, just putting down some money on because what if it hits? I know, yeah, I've right? seen these too, like the bets, like to bet that a team's going to score a touchdown in every game yeah. for the season. I they think like a 
couple teams did it last year, but that's interesting. That's juicy. That's a lot of juice on that one, man. Yeah. If I was you, I'd put some money on on that because hopefully the Patriots r- running game is going to be dominant. But yeah, I mean, you can t- you can see why the odds are that way just because it's tough to rush for a touchdown every single game. Yeah, but it is something sure. maybe you get to like week 13 and you can cash out or you get to like, yeah, even like week eight or nine. You're like, ah, you're going up against a great rush defense the next week. So, yeah, it's worth mm-hmm. doing. All right, so I've given out some MVP stuff. So just to reiterate, I have Trevor Lawrence plus 1,600. I love that because I think they're going to win that division. The other one that I really like is Lamar at plus 1,600, which is the same as Lawrence. So if they win that division, which I think is possible, the Bengals, even last year, like they have, sometimes they have issues early on in the season and Joe Burrow's coming off a calf injury. So, and look, I think that Burrow's one of the best three quarterbacks in the NFL. Not to, I'm not dinging Burrow or anything, but... That division is really tough, and they play a first-place schedule. I could see the Ravens sort of taking over that division. Now, I'm not predicting it to happen. If you're telling me who do you think is going to win the division, I'd say the Bengals. But I think plus 1,600, Lamar is probably going to throw for the most yards he ever has had in his career based on the change in offensive coordinator and also the fact that they bring in Odell Beckham Jr. And they have Zay Flowers. They already have one of the best tight ends in the NFL in Mark Andrews, I just think that's good value for Lamar Jackson to get back into the MVP conversation. And we already know what he does in terms of the rushing game. Like if this Baltimore offense is a top five unit in the NFL and they win their division, Lamar is easily going to be in the MVP conversation. He's going to be the reason for it. Yeah, I like that. I think also you got to imagine all that contract stuff last year had some effect. So you got to think he's happier. His mind's clear. He's thinking about football. That sounds good to me. And um yeah, it's good value. I think the only other guy I was looking at, and kind of going off your point about why Judon's a decent candidate for defense play of the year, is uh, I think Hertz at plus twelve hundred is pretty good. It's like it fits a pretty good narrative of like he was in the Super Bowl last year, kind of came onto the scene. You got to think the Eagles are going to be at the top of the NFC and plus twelve hundred. Like I think he's like one of the favorites, and usually those aren't favorite odds, you know, plus twelve hundred. Yeah, and also he bounces back after getting sacked eight times in Week One. He completely responded. <laughs> but no, I'm with you. That's a good one, too, because the NFC, like you look at it. I know a lot of people are high on the Cowboys and I get their rosters yeah. loaded. I still think that the Eagles are going to win that division and they're going to be the number one or the number two seed. And say it's San Francisco. That's the number one seed. They're not going to have. Yeah. yeah, they're not. And now maybe if like all these quarterbacks are close, like this is a year where McCaffrey like Ooh. can get into the conversation. Yeah. Like maybe he has one of these years where the receiving yards and the rushing yards are really high. And yeah. San Francisco has like a 14 win season or something along those lines. That's another guy to look at. But yeah, I'm with you. If you're talking about a quarterback in the NFC, Jalen Hurts is the guy that I would look at. Okay. So a couple of season long futures that I like in terms of teams win totals or basically teams to win their division. Mm -hmm. I have the Falcons at plus 210 to win the NFC South. The Saints are at plus 130. I like this Falcons team. That's why I took Bijan Robinson in my fantasy draft. I think he's yeah. going to run the ball like crazy. I like Drake London. I like Kyle Pitts. I think they have a ton of weapons. It's just, hey, can Arthur Smith dial it up for these guys? Last year, their offense was pretty good, and they weren't nearly as talented mm-hmm. as they are this year, especially London coming into year two and having a guy that, from a talent perspective, is already in the top five from a running back perspective. Not to say that he's a top five running back, right? He's actually going to play in an NFL game. But I feel like that Falcons team wins the division at plus 210. I know Derek Carr is playing for the Saints. I've never been a big Derek Carr guy. So I like the Falcons to win that division. That's plus 210, which is pretty good value. 
Yeah, I think plus odds there is great, and it's it's that division's there for the taking. So I don't see why not. And I agree, like who who who's putting their money behind Derek Carr? Like what has he ever done? Nobody. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Nobody. I like that. And here's my last one that I really like. Mm-hmm. So the Packers to win the NFC North is at plus three fifty. Mm-hmm. They're behind the Lions and the Vikings. I love the Lions. If you look, okay, so yeah, the Lions, their I'm offense is tremendous, right? Yeah. Unbelievable offense. But their defense, are, are we sure it's any better we than saw it was? That last year with Bailey Yeah, Dak. like their defense yeah. sucks. Yeah. So I'm not so sure that that defense is going to be up to where the offense is. And I know they had a great stretch at the end of last season. Like they finished strong. But are you banking on Jared Goff to win a division? <laughs> and I know that he had a great season last year. I know he yeah. did, but I just, I mean, I uh, maybe it's just me having flashbacks to him looking like incompetent as a young quarterback yeah. against the Patriots yeah. in the Super Bowl. And the other team, like the Vikings, that's ahead of the Packers in terms of where they're at in the division, they won all their close games last year. Like that's yeah. almost impossible to replicate. And maybe this is another thing that I go back to last year and I say, the Patriots, like, they made so many fucking dumb mistakes against the Vikings. They should have won that game. Maybe yeah. that's part of it, too, like my own bias from being a Patriots fan. But I feel like with the Packers, to sprinkle that number at plus 350, to sprinkle them to win the division, I like what I saw from Jordan Love. And I get it. I'm not watching Jordan Love every day. But, man, and they have – now, we'll see if their receivers are healthy. But they have – I like some of the young receivers. Yeah. I like Dobbs. It really feels like Musgrave, the kid that they – the tight end they took, they're really going to use him. I'm interested to see this, like what Matt LaFleur looks like with this young Packers team now that Aaron Rodgers is out of the picture there. It's going to be essentially his team again, right? Like now it's his team. I guess it was never really his team because he had Rodgers. They were sort of blending both offenses. But now it's unequivocally Matt LaFleur's offense. This is the way that Jordan Love has been basically brought up to play football in the NFL is running Matt LaFleur's stuff. So I like that plus 350 for the Packers. Yeah, I think that's kind of similar to the the Falcons bet where this division, you know, no more Rodgers. It's it's kind of wide open. So if you can get some plus odds, you know, I don't see why not. I don't think you're going to – it's not like the division's given to the Vikings or anyone like that. So, yeah, plus 300, it sounds good. All right, Jamie, we made it, man. We're here. Week one <laughs> of the NFL season. This is our first preview part of the season. Love doing these. And we're going to be back on Sunday night after the Patriots and, of course – the Eagles. So we'll have a pot. It'll be fresh up on Monday morning in your feed late Sunday night. James White, three-time Super Bowl champ who joined us last Sunday. He's going to be back with us. We'll recap this game. We'll recap the Brady situation as well. What was that like at Gillette? I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm fired up. I mean, we're recording right now. It is early afternoon on Thursday. I'm going to watch football tonight. Like, I'm fired <laughs> up, man. We got college back know, last weekend, exciting. which kind of felt like an appetizer, especially like that Colorado game. It felt like, oh, man, football's back. And then the rest of the day kind of sucked. And the Sunday night game wasn't great. The LSU-Florida State game, like, we had one game that delivered, really. Like, the rest of the games didn't really deliver in college football. Now it's like, oh, we got NFL on Thursday. And I know we get the ACC always plays on Thursday night, too, in college football. But then we get a full slate on Saturday. You get Alabama and Texas. You got Ole Miss and Tulane, a couple of ranked teams. So you got interesting games on Saturday. And then we get it all on Sunday, man. Like, I am fired up. I'm excited. Ready to go. I'm excited for tonight. I think the I'm, I'm curious to see what the Lions got, see if they can keep up with the Chiefs. So that'll be fun. And uh, I'm willing to make a guarantee that this Patriots season will be a hell of a lot more fun than last year. Take that to the bank. <laughs> How could it not be, right? <laughs> How could it not be? I know. Exactly. What are the odds on that? Does FanDuel oh have odds God. on that? Yeah, minus, minus 10 million. 
God, man, that was miserable. And like we sound spoiled as Patriots fans, right? Because it's an annoying th- season. Yeah, this team has been to nine Super Bowls with Belichick, and they yeah. won six with Belichick, and they even went to you know they went to the Super Bowl. Not that we were alive, but they went to the Super Bowl in '85 too. Yeah. Oh well, they went to the Super Bowl in '96 too, yeah, the Blood So team that lost to the Packers. But we've had a lot of success here, and we had this one bad season. Like even the Camp Newton year was probably better than the one they had last year. Well, ugly, yeah. I just didn't like that brand of football. So I'm excited for this year. They're gonna clean it up. No doubt. All right. As always, make sure to get your voicemails in. If you're at the game on Sunday, you're coming home, you're either really happy, you're really either mad, you want to comment on the Brady thing, make sure to leave us a voicemail at 617-396-7172. We'll react to those after the game. If you want to email us, it's offthepike at gmail.com. Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Surdy for producing this podcast, and we'll chat in a couple of days. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXTSTEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia, call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, hope is here, visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call one 877 8 Hope and Why or text Hope and Why. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. And the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.